Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that's in store for us on tonight's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Dynamite, Rampage, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai. Oh, premium live events, pay-per-views. We have wrestling interviews. We hold roundtable discussions and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Hamlet, this show cannot fail. Looking at this lineup, it is incredibly stacked. There will surely not be a single moment that threatens to be dull, let alone three or four consecutive uh, segments, which affect the most mid-dynamites. I'm expecting an absolutely rip-roaring return to form, the only potential drawback of which is that there is simply too much on this card, and maybe they won't allow some of the better matches to tell have enough time to tell a story, or big moments won't be registered, or I, I'm afraid it's going to be too good. Yeah, you sent me the uh, full card. It was the first time I'd seen it all like in print before uh, we recorded this podcast. And I wanted to share that optimism. And then, like, negativity, the little seed popped in my head. It was a bit like you being partridge and me being Tony Hairs, and you going, Spender, Bergerac, Morse. What does that tell you about pro wrestling? It's too much of it. <laughs> no, it means people like it. Let's make more. It's like there's been a lot of mid-dynamites. <laughs> Rampages, AW in general has felt it's felt too mid for its own good. It has set the standard. We always talk about it, the high standard that we like to the high bar that we like it to meet. So it's almost like and Tony Khan this week alone has said, ah, it's proven really tough to fit all these people and all these angles into three hours. And it's like, all right, but you don't need to like try and disprove your own theory yeah. by just forcing it on us. It, like there is the sense that something on cards like this has to fail. Like we always have to talk about the the thing that might suffer as a result, as a consequence of everything else. Um, and I'd like not for that not to be a thing. I'd like for the second hour problem to just go away for the, to be this magic wand over the format and stuff. But you're not wrong because every single thing individually is great and has merit and has got worth and nothing feels 
it's the it's the polar opposite of a Raw where there's absolutely nothing to talk about. But everything has kind of earned its spot on the card. You just hope that this is going to be the, the week, finally, where something doesn't have to suffer because of everything getting its place. Yeah, absolutely. I hope nothing suffers. I hope nothing dips in the crowd reaction. We'll get to the match that has the most chance of doing so um, imminently. I just really hope the time management is absolutely on point on this card because potentially it's got best of the year potential. Mm. Like this looks really, really good for several different reasons, in fact. Um, I was thinking yesterday when I was looking at this card before the last, not last minute, but the, the latest, the last edition, rather. Uh, uh, and I was looking at it, and I was thinking, Tony Khan has only gone and potentially created not only a perfect on-paper show, but one that is also immune to bad faith actors and criticism. I think a lot of us are now in a place, like CM Punk replied to Hangman Backup, Adam Pierce Page Parody, that great yeah. Twitter account that you should all follow, um, to say, like, we need to stop amplifying the bollocks from grifters because they are total grifters who thrive off. They These people demean themselves and make themselves look stupid because they prefer attention and relevance more than they do, more than they crave um, respect. Yeah, and anything of that nature. So stop amplifying those voices. So I was thinking, yeah, because I'm getting sick of it as well. I think a lot of people are really sort of individually and collectively as a result, realizing oh, you must, we must be bored. We have to be moving past this. I'm, I see increased sentiment from um, a lot of people who I've seen quote tweet dunk. I used to quote tweet dunk. I've had something funny to say, and then I thought, mm. you know what? It's just not worth the few likes just to keep it in here. So I'm thinking, my God, nothing on this show, if all goes well, is going to have that. Topic of the day bollocks that sort of plagues the enjoyment of AEW. And then Dan Housen's going to make a in ring debut. <laughs> just to be clear, I think this is going to be loads of fun, but just be prepared, guys, and everyone listening out there. This is going to be the discourse of the day tomorrow. Mm. Try not to, I know I'm doing it on a podcast, but it's different. It's not on Twitter. But try not to just feed the trolls who are inevitably going to bury this however it plays out and however over it gets and my inkling is that it's going to get incredibly over and most rampages i wouldn't say are plagued or very slightly undermined by these sort of exhausted crowds at the end of a marathon taping and some very good matches don't become great because the crowds are exhausted and crowd response and interactivity is such a huge part of what makes a wrestling match great yeah and yet Whenever Dan House and Danhausen and or Hook do anything on Rampage, it feels like the opening segment of Dynamite. That's how hot these crowds are. I'm expecting this to be very, very, very good and very, very fun and very, very over. I think this might be the loudest thing on the entire I'm night. I like said three varies and there was no nice nor evil in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to edit myself <laughs> by doing all that. I refuse Look, to engage. I refuse to engage. Look, I'm happy that there's going to be an incredibly loud and enthusiastic response to however this is going to be. Like Danhausen. I love dearly Orange Cassidy, and I have done since day one, and I like that there's going to be a crowd reacting to Dan House in the same kind of just awestruck reverence with which they once received Orange Cassidy when he's at his peak or when he was like teasing that he was going to do anything. Mm. I don't necessarily feel it like I did for Orange Cassidy because I think Orange Cassidy's act way funnier on a subjective level, but it's going to be loud and I'm going to 
and hopefully it's going to be infectious as a result. Um, it's against Tony Nice. Tony Nice is the perfect guy for this, the absolute perfect guy. He's um, a great in-ring worker who functions to put people like Dan Housen over in a nice, uh, not, not particularly nice way, rather, stars yeah. over. Tony Nice is not a star, realistically, but that's fine because he can make stars shine brighter. I don't expect this will go particularly long. I think that the more... If, if it follows the pattern of the Orange Cassidy push, it's been a little bit shorter than I think Orange Cassidy's run. And Orange Cassidy's a better worker. So what you're realistically better off doing is just showcasing what it is that Dan Housen can do because Cassidy was doing dives and he'd done the, the pocket spots. Dan Housen's done literally nothing. So you've got like a, a cheat code. When he does anything, it's going to be over. The time might come for him to do a 12-minute competitive, ma- uh, competitive match with a real emotional undercurrent. That time isn't now. The time is get those easy pops for Dan Housen doing out. Have Tony Nice facilitate him doing out by being a great worker. Um, Dan Housen wins. Tony Nice and Smart Mark Sterling beat him up. And then you get the big, huge pep in the aftermath. This is going to be incredibly loud, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. It, like, so we, I, I wasn't terribly high on Rampage in general. Um, this week and my mileage varies very much on Dan Housen. I can, this, this is the thing I don't really get about, like, I, I get I get it completely, the bad faith actors, but like their, their refusal, their blanket refusal to split the subjective and the objective when they could, they just don't because it doesn't get clicks. Like that's Dan Housen in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah. Our subjective enjoyment is kind of irrelevant when the first metric, how loud it is in the building, like and other metrics such as his YouTube numbers or his merchandise numbers bear out that this thing works. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. It, I suppose it doesn't matter. I'd like to think people listening think like care about our subjective opinion, but you can marry the two together yeah. and they can be different and that's okay. And that's why so much of this bad faith conversation is so pointless because there's enough people on Twitter to know that. I don't want to say no better, but to know that those two things, Eric Bischoff knows that subjective and objective are different. He's just choosing to mesh the two. Yes. For clicks, for example. Um, Dan Housen as a worker, as a wrestler, yet doesn't particularly interest me in the way that Orange Cassidy, I think the first time I saw him was like on a GCW show, immediately did because I immediately got the joke watching him be physical because it in, kind of enhances the Orange Cassidy aesthetic. Yeah. Um, like I'm yet to get that from what limited, like I've gone looking for Dan Housen matches as a result of his like increased exposure just before signing it's for the AEW. first clue, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like tonight is a big night for that and a big test for like all of the wrestlers involved, plus Tony Khan as a booker, a collaborative operation. The zoom in on the crisps with the ribbon around them was a bit of me. I, I loved that. Like that was, that made me feel in a way, like for the, the hook housing relationship in a way that otherwise I was doing it at a distance kind of saying, yeah, a bunch of people like this, a bunch of people younger than me like this, which is really ideal because like AEW was the millennial company that books the millennials. So much wrestling that they do is for us. And it's okay if that isn't when like it can be for so many other people, whoever it is that Dan Housen is reaching to. But the, the I got it. For some reason I got it with the crisps. Maybe I just love crisps. I think you but do. I think you it is, love crisps. I'm don't very, you? very affectionate towards crisps. But like it was the show. It was very, very WWE. Like good WWE. Like old yeah. good WWE to zoom in on those crisps with a ribbon around it. A little bit of a detail. A st- fundamentally stupid gimmick. But that suddenly means everything. You know, Chris Jericho himself is recent at the Festival of Friendship. Yeah. Like, all those daft big gimmicks, they're there to mean something, the painting of the two of them, you know? Yeah. Like, it's it's got to be as silly as that to really work. And I guess, like, you can apply that to the match a little bit in terms of the more physical and the more, I don't know, Dan Housen grabs a headlock and then has to come back over six minutes 
you're feeling yeah. like you're feeling it sort of slip away, aren't you? So hopefully it's not. Hopefully, Tony, I, I would like Tony to kind of get the jump on Danhausen and force Danhausen into making a relatively quick comeback that shocks Tony Nice, and then that's how he loses. Yeah. I want that to be the cycle. I want him not to realise kind of what Danhausen might have in his back pocket. Him to win something like. A move that's good, but like feels almost a little bit like a fluke. You know, like a high cross body or the one, two, three kids moonsault onto yes. Razor Ramon. Something that is obviously impactful enough to score a win, but not something that the opponent would have scouted for. Beat him like that, and then you've not exposed what some of the limitations of the Danhausen in ring aspect might be. Yeah, it's a balance. It's more like they're gonna if they pull all of this off. I think it it shouldn't go without plaudits and kudos because I don't think this is just as straightforward as maybe, when we look back now as straightforward as maybe the hook debut would have been. I think this is different. I think there's, yeah, there's more to this. Absolutely. Like again, they don't need to go too long. It's just the greatest hit showcase of Dan House and just some of his stuff and the fans will go crazy for it. One Dan House and Matcha have seen of the very, very few. Um, just this is a great spot where part of his shtick is like he gets scared. Yeah. The evil guy gets scared. And he like sort of, you'll hide within like an apron, but in doing so, you'll like sort of flummox the other competitor. Yeah. So he looks himself in the offense and it's all quite cute. And, <laughs> and uh, I expect a little bit uh, of that tonight. And Tony Nice can do some like great sort of sprints across the apron for kicks mm-hmm. and then get wrong foot. There's loads to work with. And he's patter. We've always said it. Tony Nice is low-key patter. Low-key patter. So you mm-hmm. should get the joke and like he's getting paid to get the joke. So get it anyway. So that is the big sort of thing that we think will be the loudest, but the most important stuff, and there's a lot of it, will follow imminently. CM Punk versus John Silver in Long Island. This is interesting. I don't not hate it. It's CM Punk in the ring. I'll still really like John Silver. It's still this wonderful, surreal, loud, genuinely excellent Press, uh, pro wrestling television when CM Punk comes out. I've got two concerns about this, and I will list them before getting your opinion. Okay. These are the two concerns, right? One, John Silver's a pocket rocket, incredibly explosive. I think he's going to make CM Punk sweat like after one sequence. <laughs> so I'm very interested in how the pacing of this is going to go. I don't yes. think it's going to go particularly long. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for it to go long. I honestly think it's going to be more like six or seven minutes of frantic action. CM Punk, sweat-soaked, just about keeps up with them and scores the pin and then cuts a post-match promo, thus drawing out Hangman Page. I was, like, it's not been cursed or anything like that because Hangman Page missed one week of Dynamite, but we haven't had that face-to-face interaction yet. Maybe that's worked out to its benefit because mm-hmm. we've had one promo from one side, another from the other. Both people missed the shows um, serendipitously all through um, the schedule, and then that can happen tonight. My worry is that CM Punk has been paired against a Long Island hometown boy in John Silver with the express purpose of telling a story that I is kind of the opposite I wanted them to tell in that I was a little bit apprehensive before I realized, you know what, I should trust the process when they first all but said it's going to be Punk versus Hangman at mm. double or nothing. So I thought, that's, obviously, that's unbelievable, as you've pointed out. Actually, I'll let you point out your favorite take about this particular match. I thought, I just it would kind of break my heart given the amount of investment I've put in AEW and their push of Hangman page for CM Punk to just automatically, because he's a bigger star and people have had a longer connection with him, to just pick him over Hangman Page. Mm. I just feel like it's a little bit shan. I feel like it's a bit, just a bit of a gut punch for all of the in-house work AEW's done to get yeah. to a level where they could convince Punk. I was hoping, because I 
hold the, the, the intelligence of Punk and Page in the highest esteem, I was really hoping they could tell a story that would be so well done that they could effectively split the audience, dueling chance, all the rest of mm. it. They, they're kind of doing the opposite, where Page cut a promo with a heel adjacent quality to it last week, and now CM Punk is probably going to get more booze than normal at the very least against yep. Silver, and maybe you'll lean into that in the post-match promo, and Page can be the one to be baby faces this week. That'll lead us to two consecutive weeks in which they're both kind of not being dicks, but both very, you know, sort of forthright, heelish, nasty, overconfident or whatever. I kind of wanted them to both be baby faces that I was going to really be conflicted over. Mm. And now the fact that they've put them against John Silver in Long Island, are they both going to be taking turns to be heels? That's the opposite of what I wanted. <laughs> I suppose like in that, in your pitch of a baby face, that like it's again, AW trying to master the otherwise thought impossible, which is to book the perfect baby face versus baby, the hardest match to book and you book it well yeah. and you book it right. You know, um, the heel, the, the timing of it is way. I, I'd love this. I think this is an absolute masterstroke, but I, but I love it. It's not strictly to do with the page feed, this bit of it. It's to do with the fact that not only have they established that CM Punk has a hometown of Chicago, it's like he's got an away town of Long Island. This MJF thing is going to stick with him now. Yeah, he buried Long Island. Yeah, yeah, he went full heel in Long Island. So it's it's a, it's a bonus that it's John Silver is A, from Long Island, and B, part of the Dark Order and his Hangman Page's ally. That's like two wins. Yeah. This is a perfect booking in that respect because they every time they go to Long Island, just as they're going to quasi-babyface MJF a bit tonight and just like the quasi-babyface, everybody that works in the hometown, Punk's got his away town, so he's got this arena that will play, we talked about this on another podcast, play along with the idea that, oh, it's really fun. We get to hate CM Punk tonight. How do you make that work is you put him against a hometown guy. I remember, it's. you'll probably remember this, like, do you remember a really, really great ECW title match between Christian and William Regal? Like, quite a memorable... Yes. Is that the there... one where they did the Morrissey references on commentary? Yeah. Yes. I was there for that. It was in Sheffield, right? But Regal was the sentimental favourite with it being in England, but Christian was the babyface and Regal was the heel. Yeah. And that makes it tricky in the crowd. It's like, well, I suppose it's a win-win, but everyone's really rooting for Regal to get it done. This is the opposite of that, isn't it? This yeah. is AW giving that live crowd exactly what they want and almost like encouraging the pantomime element of it. We're going to, we love him, but we're going to boo him tonight because this is like part of the fun and all that. And I actually quite like that instead of, I think the babyface thing would have totally worked because I do like, I, I completely take your point about um, not wanting to almost be forced into uh, turning on Hangman Page a bit for the benefit of the program. But I've said it elsewhere, it, for my mind, this only aids this feeling of this being the most unpredictable AEW title match ever. Yeah. It's the sort of thing you can sell a pay-per-view with. People are going to buy this show, me and you, like us and Murray, us and Wilborn, whomever, we're going to be sitting in the office in the week leading up to this show. Nobody can call this. Yeah. There's head and heart reasons for both. There's business reasons for both. There's booking reasons for both. It's so inspired a parent at this exact time. And it's created the reason for CM Punk now to provide the exposition to catch people up that haven't been watching week by week and just picking up or indeed people haven't been listening to this podcast. You know, like every detail now that Punk has put into his work up to this point can be used as a way to continue yeah. to drive the stories of the pay-per-view. And that's going to factor into the finish tonight. I've got the finish for you, Cedric. All right. Are you ready for this? Last week, Hangman Page calls out Punk and others, but mainly Punk for uh, Bret Hart masturbatory tribute matches. Punk beats John Silver with a dead eye. Oh, like, oh, all right then. Like, I'll watch other wrestling matches, Salah Hangman. Like, I'm saying the Dead Eye because I love CM Punk, but I don't know if he's got a buckshot Larry in him. But no, he's, he has got but, a buckshot. <laughs> he has not got a buckshot. He's got lead in his ass. But he's got a <laughs> skinny fat ass. But he's got a Dead Eye for days, isn't he? And he's like, Dead Eye in his best mate, 
like Hangman Page's best mate in Long uh, on Long Island. Like I'll, I'm not punk. I'll ingratiate myself to the locals on Long Island. Um, just to get good job. Wilborn start this podcast. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's going to Long Island. <laughs> Is that where Tony Dunn's from? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah. So I uh, something like a dead eye. Something that feels like right. Well, I'll watch you then Hangman Page, and uh, I can watch a lot of wrestling. Like don't underestimate me just because I happen to be paying tribute to somebody I respect. Yeah. Um. I, I, and Paige, in response tonight, the cool thing is, I think, if Paige does come out, because there's no Hangman Page speaks, it's matches, matches, matches. So, like, theoretically, Hangman Page might do commentary, let's say, and he gets to watch, and yeah. Punk, Punk gets to point up at him before he hits John Silver with the finish, whatever it is, and they kind of have this eye contact thing. Um, it's, yeah, he's a heel this week, but next week it's just as easy, flipped again. They can almost both say, well, we've both kind of been pulled into the competitive element. Should we end this on a handshake? And then you've kind of done all of it. Yeah. You said we can both get sucked into the the kind of like the drama of the of the build, but ultimately we do respect each other. And then you kind of covered every emotional beat. And all that does is add to that unpredictable melting pot. Yeah. I, I, I'm talking like a market. I love this feud. I love like, it as well. I, I love the pairing. I love the program. I love the timing of it. Oh, like, I like it's, it's, it's in Vegas. It's where Punk dropped the pipe bomb. Yeah. You know, like that place means more to him than he has thus far let on yeah. as well. And I, I love this. Like, I do love it. I just want... Them to, I want them to make me fight for them. That's yeah. what I want. Fight for your pedantic nerds. <laughs> That's absolutely what I want to happen. Um, next match that is listed on the big incredible collage is honestly the most unpredictable um, TV match that I can recall in AEW's 2022 at the very least because there are so many different reasons why if you were putting this match together, you'd think, actually, I might put him over. Or I can't not put him over. And it's... Uh, Adam Cole versus Dax Harwood. I really can't call this. Mm. And we discussed it last week. Um, so forgive me, mega fans. I'm going to repeat a take. Dax Harwood makes me think he's going to win every match because he's got so much intent behind everything he says. Loads of passion. Not that terrible NXT. You guys have made this what it is. Passion. <laughs> like actual passion of like, I'm going to do this because I, I live for it. It's kind of a hokey way of doing a promo, particularly over the last six or seven years. But Harwood gets away with it because he's so amazing. So he always invokes his family. And of course, um, Owen and Brett, who he's fighting on behalf in his own words. But Adam Cole's a bigger star. Yeah, he is. In the singles realm. So I've got no idea who's going to win. I've got some idea of how the match is going to play out. It depends on the extent to which Adam Cole's happy to send himself up because he legitimately idolizes Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. But is he in, is he self-aware enough as a heel knowing that he might have to do a super kick that Dax could kick out at one or do something to get over the idea with it being the Owen Hart tournament mm. that Brett, at least for now, because the storyline demands it, greater than symbol, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I'm not saying that's necessarily <laughs> correct. I'm just saying that's how the tournament should go. But at the same time, Cole should win. Mm. This match should be great, by the way. Yeah, uh, the qu the quality element of it is almost assured, isn't it? It's the thing you think of last when you put these two together. This is really fantastic tournament booking because it feels like the final and it's taking place in the first round. Yeah. That is so cool when it, like, you, it's almost like, not that like... Dax is a singles titan, but this is a clash of the titans because of how much the tournament means to him. You would have already fantasy booked uh, Dax making it all the way to the final. You know, so, so when he comes up against somebody that you could theoretically have as a potential winner, maybe not, maybe this one needs a baby face, but otherwise a tournament winner such as Adam Cole, somebody that you would expect to make the pay-per-view portion of a tournament, it's such an inspired parent to have yeah. now. It makes it, it does add, it adds juice that isn't at all related to the Sean and Brett stuff that you were going to expect. The irony of this is that 
fraud at the ducks and the cash match and let's be honest that was probably the one that tipped it over into people saying and i like maybe include us in that like people starting to suggest enough now like m- maybe we've had enough of the brett stuff for a little bit maybe yeah. like ease up just a touch uh yes this is the natural sean versus brett stuff but like are they going to have like a Montreal crowd fight because otherwise Sean and Brett never did it out interesting together. I know. So I'd, like, there's not specifically any like I might yeah fair enough like Cole might do a super kick or um, Dax might ape a sequence that he's just watched earlier on. But I don't need much of the Sean Brett matches in this one. No. I've actually I've seen more of these two like working as part of the Undisputed Era or the Revival or FTR or Undisputed Era whatever. Yeah, they yeah. just have more dynamic chemistry with one another. Here's one for you. It's an incidental point because I think people like incidental Bret Hart um, discourse, right? Survivor Series 1992. Yeah. I think that's aged much worse than any of Brett's other major matches that got more than four stars by Dave Meltzer and are generally considered as classics. Like, if I was to say, right, you've got 25 Bret Hart matches and those are the only Bret Hart matches you can watch for the rest of your life. Mm. I don't think that makes it in there. It got four and a half, I think, off Dave. Yeah. And it's genuinely revered as like a really great Bret match. But like, I just, it's good. And mm. it's long, mm. but it, I, don't, I think it's far from its best. Like the, the, the Montreal match, I'll never be recognized as such, but it legitimately is their best match. Yeah, I agree with that. It's the Survivor Series 992 one. I think why it was so highly regarded. I like it. I'm with you. I like it. I don't love it. It's certainly. It's like it's very unremarkable for a Brett match. Like Brett was so cool, and and like Sean is great. All like ridiculous discourse aside, like Shawn Michaels was. Fantastic. Yeah. Even even post two thousand and two, we still had it in him. But like, you know, it's better. Yeah. It's like better pre, when he was troubled. Pre ninety eight retirement, like angry young man. Like Sean, Sean could go. Yeah. Right there. But th- the thing with that match is, I think it like it both suffered and benefited from the time in which it took place. Like Dave Meltzer was probably aching for something that even approached three stars on a WWE main yeah. event. It was only the second pay per view without Hogan, and he, like Brett's going like on last for the second WWE pay per view in a row, and he's having a bit of a ripper. Like Meltzer's probably thinking, "Here we go." Yeah. Like I've sat through all of these like sort of big muscle guys for years, and now I want some actual some wrestling. So I think that's probably at the time there w- just wasn't a lot like Sean and Brett working WWE main events. But because they would go on to define the style, they then bettered it over and yeah. over again with other people, yeah. um, you know, and then didn't themselves when it came to a WrestleMania four years later, yeah. which me and you are on the same side on. There's going to be plenty of people that think oh, my match is good. I always argue I don't think those people have watched it. I just don't believe it when they say that match was I good. I still believe that. I, don't I believe do them. not believe they've sat through 60 minutes. I think they've, like, they've seen a highlight package that, of course, will give you the, the three best minutes of 60 and I say that as, you know, we're both Brett guys. There are only 12 good minutes in it. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> timekeeper spot and then the last 12 minutes. Yeah. But like the bit, now Brett's told you about it, the bit where he's sitting on the post and he looks at the clock and there's the exact time left. That's exactly as bad as it is good. Yes. And like more people need to talk about that when they're talking about Brett. Uh, what are we on about? Dax and Adam Cole. Yeah. Quality is assured. I'll go with Dax because it's just easier to think about the, the sentimental run he's going to go on. I think I like Dax in the final in a pay-per-view singles, effectively, main event, like a potential prize-winning, high-stakes main yeah. event in a pay-per-view um, as a way to confirm the uh, FTR babyface turn in a more formalised fashion. Dax... Even They're there already, probably. They, no, they are, but the last, the last thing to do is to separate from the pinnacle, and I could actually see them saving that for double or nothing. Yeah. Like, it's a nice thing to, like, say, Dax have this great moment... And like Spears want to be out there for the like the Owen crown and thing, and Dax is like, uh, 
Big rig him. Yeah, like big rig spears, and MJF's already lost a wardle that night or something, and it's all the stuff that can then exist in the background. Yeah. I personally, because people want us to know who's going to win, I think it's Adam Cole via Red Dragon Distraction, because if you recall, in the um, Casino Battle Royale um, before Revolution, Red Dragon either eliminated or helped eliminate FTR, and then following that, FTR fired Tully and said, look, like we need to do this for our families and not for titles, hence why they didn't go for um, Jurassic Express and storylines. And they said, we need to go after book. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's an FDR because they've both disrespected us, mm. and we need to avenge that because I can't go home and look my family in the eye. They've already done that against the Bucks. The Red Dragon thing's either been forgotten about or they could link back to it via this match, which I yep. hope they do because it would just be um, an unfortunate detail because it's one of those, it would be, I'm making stuff up in my head now, but I like to think about this sort of thing. It'd be one of those uh, not ideal AEW situations where it's like, yeah, you robbed me of my uh, my pay-per-view moment in a huge match. You'll pay for this seven months later. Yeah, yeah. Seven months later, it means as much as it did seven months ago. It's like, nah, that doesn't wash. So I'd like it. It's like they're already taking the mick with it. Abbott. Absolutely outstanding match on NXT between those two teams as well. I'd have that again. Yeah. Like that Red Dragon, that Undisputed Era revival I was match. Uh, still being a bitch. Were you the low guy in that one? I was. I thought it was four star flat yeah. and people going four and a half. Mm-hmm. But I think I was a little bit pedantic because... I might win with again main roster guys. Because every week on the other side. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I was like, well, don't get the main roster stars. <laughs> Just let there be competition for once in 20 fucking years. So I was still a little bit resentful of NXT at the time. Also, it was boring. FTW <laughs> title match between Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy. Um, this has got a very high ceiling. My concern is it was like that big looming big picture at the top of the graphic. And by the time Excalibur's done his sort of auctioneer call, there's like 12 minutes left and it might not get the chance to be something really special. Like it could be, I'm not saying that 15 minute matches are automatically better than 12. What I'm saying is that when you get to 11 minutes remaining and you get to the main event, you kind of know that it's feeling a bit rushed or... As much as they say, and I appreciate the detail to a degree, it's wearing a little bit thin. As much as Tony Schiavone can say, we spoke to TBS, and they said we've got as much time as possible yeah. for this title match, this FTW title, to take place. You know it's going to end in either 11 of the allotted minutes or 9, and there's going to be a schmoz. Mm. It just doesn't feel like a main event presentation when it's got 11 minutes remaining. It might not be the main event. It might just be tucked away in the undercard and be incredible. But regardless, the, the ceiling for this is great. Um, they had a really good physical chemistry when they had that um, 
fight on Rampage. They can both do really cool things. They can both do those really cool things to flex on each other. I love that element of Ricky Stark's storytelling. It's like a peacock in there. It's so in character, and you can articulate that character with his beautiful athletic showmanship. My pick for the winner here is Starks, because I think Starks and Hobbs aren't going to win the World Tag Team titles, but this match will help build them as a threat when that eventually happens. So really, Starks has to win, and that also furthers Christian Cage's continued, um, like, what's what I'm looking for? Taking the piss out of Jungle Boy, basically. He thinks... Jungle Boy is a loser. Yes, yes. Keyword is loser, loser, and he continues to lose. And he continues to yeah. lose. So it's yeah. increasing sort of weariness of like, why have I spent, it's coming up to a year now, double yeah. or nothing, why have I spent a year mentoring you when you don't have the cutting edge to really get it done when you're just basically a little baby-faced bitch and I'm the heel all along, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the only result. Have you got an argument for another one, or do you agree? Not at all, and I like that a great deal. Like, I've, I've, no, I've picked up on, like, obviously that fantastic line from Christian when he ripped into him for it. You just look like a loser. Jungle Boy continuing to lose, I think is so integral to Christian's eventual turn because he can say with validity, look, the only reason I backed you is because you made a loser out of me in that battle royal. I thought you were a winner and it was me that was wrong and you've made a fool out of me. Yeah. These losses have like embarrassed me. Like I wouldn't have took you under my wing had you not made a loser out of me or like that battle royal that all of us pegged Christian for, and then they went in a completely different direction that worked an absolute dream as a result yeah. and has like ultimately kind of given us all of this along with the other cool stuff it gave us along the way, the Jungle Boy Kenny match and that. I, I, The only thing I disagree with what you said is I think uh, Hobson starts to go all the way and they win the belts, and I think it's that final loss. Right, like I think that's Christian's tipping point. Um, it's, it's a slight on this match, slightly, because it's not quite match to build a match, but it, it is a bit... Like, the FTW title is relatively meaningless, and we know that the tag... Like, and I say we know the tag title match is coming. It's been well built to. That's yeah. why we know it's coming. Like, I want it, and I want it for the pay-per-view. And it feels worthy. Starks and Hobbs feel different to the parade of the TV challenges that Jurassic Express have offset. Um, but also, the quality of the match, and maybe this is fantasy booking, maybe this is just hopeful. The quality of the match and what Ricky Starks can do, I hope, goes some way to informing the... Um, Possible slow burn turning of Team Taz. I've got two scenarios in my head where either um, Hook is forced to decide between Danhausen and Starks and Hobbs, and then he makes the choice and it's Danhausen, and that's like they stay heels. Or because Hook is obviously going to be so over as a babyface, Team Taz collectively just turns yeah. and Starks and Hobbs. People are desperate for it. At this so likable, so fun. I know it's like fun to enjoy heels sometimes, but they they can easily tweak that and become babyface. Yeah. All you need to do, as the acclaimed are already showing, if you're dickheads to heels, then you're babyface yeah. because people like who you are as people, you know. So, yeah, I, I think they'll go all the way. I think they'll win the belts, and I think Starks win tonight. And it's all part of, it's a, a, again, a rare case of a losing streak, having worth, which is Jungle Boy has lost these matches, but it doesn't make him a loser. It's Christian being a complete arsehole yeah. that's, that's ruining things here, you know? So, yeah. like, I, I think they'll get there without harming Jungle Boy. If anything else, the Pillars, MJF included, tend to lose more than they win. And that's kind of why the Pillars is because they're still... Darby Allen loses all the time. Yeah. Simon Guevara's played hot potato with his belt. You know, like, they, they lose a lot. And I don't think Jungle Boy will be hampered by another two big, high-profile ones. No, I absolutely agree. Hamflet hasn't happened yet, but is this the week of the week? <laughs> Bit of office law for you there. One day we'll tell that story. Um, will there be an over-noisy women's match on Dynamite for once? Because for once is the thing. The last time I can recall... 
in recent memory. And I'm not saying they haven't been bad women's, uh, haven't been good women's matches. I'm saying they've been good women's matches. I didn't get the reaction they deserved because of the, the just general macro malaise affecting the mutual apathy, as I've put it several times. But uh, Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter, um, Tony Storm's over. People really like Tony Storm. Um, Jamie Hayter, I think I would like it to be more over than she is. Maybe that doesn't reflect the reality. But I think people see this pairing or invested in this pairing. There's a lot of perversion online about this particular pairing. Mm. And maybe in a really awful roundabout way, that'll help the heat. But I do would like to think anyway that people see that they've got mad physical chemistry. They are going to boot each other like into the sky to make this match like really impactful and physical. Feel like a tournament match, feel like a hot match. Like to, like Jamie Hayter's backbreaker is awesome. It looks like death. Tony Storm's power game is great. I'm expecting loads of bombs lobbed with great power and velocity and for the fans to really, really get behind this if it reaches its potential. Um, I think that Storm wins because I think she should be a finalist. I think she should win the whole thing. I think it's high time. And I've said this again, the mega fans will forgive me. It's about time he's launched a women's push with goddamn conviction. Not the Statlander stuff where I should be to the Hirsch and then nothing. Mm. And then it's happened loads. Chart a path via winning the Owen that tells me Tony Storm's a star, star instantly that you care about. An instant game changer. Like a cheat code because the next time they push someone, I'll... Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. in the New Japan Cup or a yeah. Carter in 2012. The next time you push someone, you think, oh, well, they'll push Tony Storm that big. Mm -hmm. Somebody else will get a goddamn push in this division. So I think Storm wins. I think the match will be over, and I think the match has got the potential to be great. Yeah, it's, potential's a word. It's got stakes. Um, flashes of their interactions were pretty great on Rampage in the tag match. Like, we, but we know they can both be really physical. Jamie Hayter has got that, um, like that, the way she like just like absorbs a big bump. Like the way she yeah. takes like the physicality that someone like a Tony Storm can bring. There are several like big flashpoints that you can already quite easily visualize that are going to make this match pop and are going to make this match feel big in the arena. Um, so I hope you're right. It's as usual. It's all the usual caveat supply. It needs the help of positioning. It needs the help of being made to feel big. Yeah, and, and like the problem is we're talking about this seven days after one of the worst examples in the company's history. Like sending like Mercedes Martinez and oh Gianna Pratt out there to die like with almost no build for a belt that we continue to ask, what does this belt actually mean? Yes. Like, the, you know, and, and all of that, like that was a total disaster. And the worst thing was they were trying to pretend it wasn't. Here we go. Big main event is like, don't, yeah, don't work don't, me, bro. Yeah, like, you know, don't piss me off. Like, so, <laughs> so this is like, like we're almost naive if we say, no, this is the week they're going to like, like they're going to have this open dynamite or it's going to be in a prestige spot on the show, all that sort of thing. But the women can certainly work it up to that. This can be at very, very least that WWE premium live event thing where the wrestlers wrestle and it turns out the product can actually be good. You know, this can be that for the AW, the kind of floundering AW women's division. Tony Storm as a winner is great because I'm with you. I think she's like a perfect example of the type of person you can strap a bit of a rocket to that will, uh, that will back it up consistently enough to not make it feel forced or fake. Meanwhile, uh, Jamie Hayter is almost more interesting on the losing end of things while Britt Baker is in the bracket. Yeah. Um, they've avoided each other again. Britt Baker with, uh, who is it? What, what, what are they calling the mystery person in the bracket? The Joker, baby. Like, what if, because Britt's previously talked about conspirators, hasn't she? And like the system being against her. What if, say, like, Rebel ends up 
being Dead Joker Baby, and it's actually Brits. Brit wants the like the sort of the easy route yeah. to the final sort of thing, and then Jamie Hayter's thinking, "Hang on a second, I've gone like ten really hard minutes with Tony Storm, and you're like you're just basically cheating your way through at the final." It's all stuff that you can play with that yeah. as well. So yeah, loads and loads and loads of potential. If it even capitalizes on like 80% of it, I think this will be a hit. I really hope it is. I really hope it is. Um, it's such a loaded card, however, that maybe the will dip in interest and if this. Unless they improve it, we'll have the same, same conversations every goddamn week. It's mm-hmm. mutual apathy, and they receive it as an instruction not to care because clearly AEW don't care as much about women's wrestling as they do about tags, men's, and imminently trios. Mm-hmm. The next match is something that people will probably be thinking, why have you waited this long? Why didn't you lead with this to talk about? And it's because we're not big Jeff Hardy guys. <laughs> but this is a huge, huge match yes. for a lot of people. Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. The um, Basically, the thing that these two men in common, have in common is that uh, Jim Ross both calls on oh, charismatic enigmas. <laughs> and, uh, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. one's clearly heavily inspired by the other. The person who's done the inspiring loves Darby Allen, desperate to work with him. When he was like, just checked out of WWE, he was talking. He was like, asked who your favorite upcoming opponents might be in the future. Darby Allen. Yeah. It's like, you know, when he was like saying the quiet part loud about where he was going when he wasn't <laughs> legally allowed. Oh, yeah, I want to work with Darby. It's like, you know what I mean? You're not allowed to say that yet. This is the ultimate test. Actually, no, I tell a lie. The Hardy Boys match, uh, sorry, the Young Bucks match at double or nothing, Mm -hmm. which is all but happening, it would appear, is the ultimate test of what they can do. Have they, they've left the Hardy Boys literally nothing to do Mm -hmm. two, three months after forming the act. They've done the big wild tornado match. They've done the tables match. Yeah. They've bought the licensed theme. Um, They are having the Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen, which because of the, it's like a mirror match, essentially, like generations of similar talents. People are mad into this. I'm not, but you know. And then they're doing the books match. And then like, what do you do after that? <laughs> Nothing, I hope, personally. Yeah. But it, that's just an incidental point of, has he realized that last? Sometimes I, take, I sometimes just knob around too much and mm-hmm. I should just get on with, yeah. Making hair while the sun shines. Yeah. It's like, like when you reel it off like a list like that, it really is quite stark. Like the music... Like, uh, jump off a platform. Yeah. He's, he's like, even done that in this short space of time. Like, he's like, do the WrestleMania 17 spot, uh, work Derby yeah. because people uh, want to see that. And then do the hot, uh, young box and then job done. I've got reservations about the quality of this match. And that's because I've been watching Jeff Hardy for the past two months against Bobby Fish. It was always going to be a resolutely solid pro wrestling match that the fans are going to be into because they like going to Dynamite Live and they've got an emotional connection with Jeff Hardy, but it doesn't really feel like. Hardy manipulates this reaction. People mm-hmm. just love him. I don't, but I'm happy to admit that other people do. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's reaching into the telly and asking for them to, to to help him. It just feels like they automatically bestow sympathy on him because they love him so much. It doesn't feel like he's working in there. It feels like he's struggling. And Darby Allen's different to Bobby Fish because he's a completely different type of worker. He can go... He can bump mad for Jeff Hardy, but what does Jeff Hardy do that's worthy of such a big bumping performance? Now, I'm worried this is more looks cooler. Have you considered the reality of the story? If you can't have a Jeff Hardy match involving Darby Allen that looks dynamic, mm. which is the one thing that Jeff Hardy's matches don't look, then I'm extremely worried about giving him, what, potentially 18 minutes on pay-per-view. So the strange one with this one, it, like this plays a little bit, in, and it's not because of uh, I'm with you really on on both of them to be honest. But uh, this plays into one of my pet hates when you have the likes of Forbidden Door conversation or like who would be your dream matches. People just do mirror matches. They don't think about combinations. Do you know what is a better match on paper? And then we've potentially already seen it in practice. If this doesn't bang, 
the better match on paper and in practice was Andrade versus Darby Allen because he's a big, nasty villain. Yes. Jeff Hardy is not a Contrast big, is key. Yeah, he's not a big, nasty villain. He's he's not as slight as Darby anymore because he's getting up there in age and he's just WWE. They're just bigger, aren't they? Like, yeah. It's weird how WWE are just big even when they're small. But like they're kind of similarities is what makes people want this to be a dream match. And I get it. It doesn't matter. It's not for me. I completely get it as a dream match. But mirror matches are I not hate them. are not always like it's people want Cena Tanahashi. Like, are you joking? Yeah, you want a like, heel. In America, yeah. to brutalize Tanahashi, you want MGF. Like, I might want to look at it for five seconds. Like, it would get a bigger pop than Cena Orton in the Rumble to see them square yeah. off in a situation like that. But yeah, as a match, you realize quickly where it can fall apart. Like, does Jeff Hardy have to, and he, he can do it in very small state. Like, does he have to go heel? And then like, and we've already seen Jeff Hardy slowing the match down as a baby face, let alone having to slow yeah. down for heat as a heel. Like he can't Andrade him or he can't Miro him, like him being Darby Allen, you know? He's got to, if anything, be tested by Darby to sort of level up. I could imagine Jeff in this one doing something like, uh, like the rail runner spot, the kind of thing he wouldn't normally do. Oh, like, Christ. But no, he's like, no, no. No, he can't do it. Oh, they have seen how the, thin the... Right, okay. Oh, but like oh, another... daft enough to try. Like, he's missing the whisper in the wind. he's daft enough to try. Yeah. He's missing the whisper in the wind, but like a foot these days, isn't he? So it's always got to be like, how high can it go? Like, something that will basically... Better off just headbutting his bollocks yeah. to try and bump for it. There are a couple of nice things you can do in this. Darby Allen has had, this, has had this problem where... Uh, was it against Billy Gunn? Where, like, he hit the coffin drop and Billy Gunn kicked out a one. And Darby Allen fought somebody else where he was kind of, you could see he was getting like brother brothered and he had to like really beat him to beat him. I think it was a 3.1 kick out. 3.1 yeah. is Billy Gunn, wasn't it? Um, I think you could do something quite nice with this. You could have him hit the coffin drop and maybe Jeff get a two and then then work to a second coffin drop. And you've got Jim Ross on the call saying something like, go on, kid, make yourself famous. And it's a nice yeah. play on Jeff's nearly moment and Darby's going to have his moment. What I'm basically fan casting Jeff Hardy as he's become the Undertaker, baby. Undertaker, baby. To Darby Allen, he is now the Undertaker. Um, I think they'll get there. The worst thing I possibly say of Jeff Hardy is that in 2002, the Undertaker could still go. Could still go. <laughs> I think this will get there. I think the audience, it's the total opposite of the women's match. There's a lot of reasons why this could fail, but the crowd will want to get it over the line. Yes. And Darby Allen will tend to do stuff to physically ensure that as well. Yeah, hesitations on my part. Darby Allen to win. Um, Darby to win, please. Do you know, I don't do you know, even like him as a guy. The thing I like about this is... So incredible, though. The Young Bucks and the Hardy Boys is happening because the Young Boys really want to have the Hardy Boys match on an AWP for you, right? <sighs> Did it in 2017, lads. But in story... <laughs> five years. Yes, they have... They've woven it already quite nicely into this Undisputed Elite stuff, haven't they? Yeah. Like, so after this match, the Undisputed Elite come to pick the bones of Jeff. Matt tries to make the save, and then the Bucks come out, and it's like, oh... What, what do we do now? You know, yeah. like, what's it? So I don't actually mind that. It's not to do with Darby Allen and the Owen, but it's just, it's a nice thing that I think they can do building off the side of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the last of the match card preview, but two segments um, slash angles have also been announced. Uh, so the penultimate talking point is that the Jericho Appreciation Society are going to do a victory speech. Now, this is obviously a pretext to, I think, the, uh, the two remaining members of the unnamed Kingston Santana Ortiz stable making it five on five because the whole story thus far has been on site. Yes. Fighting spirit. Yes. They're scared of Eddie Kingston, but they know that they can ultimately play the numbers game mm. to Kingston's disadvantage. This victory speech is clearly set up for Chris Jericho, who I hope is on irresistible form as the jackass just basically saying we've won the feud because we've got more people than you. Yeah. And then the two people are going to um, restore uh, the advantage 
or to neutralize rather the advantage. Do you see that going the way it does? And who are the other two? Yes. It's about goddamn time to stop doing this. Oh, it's five on three and five always wins. Yeah, we're ready for it now, aren't we? Um, LAX feels right. Like the the past and present of LAX, either side of Eddie Kingston, just feels nice. Like homicide in the smallest of doses can go a bit like enough, in, especially in the context in of a, a, ten man, of yeah. a big 10-man Did you see war. the boxing match? No, uh, oh. right. But like the, if you think about like the, the running... Yeah, in, ten tag, like, perfect for that. You can yeah. kind of hide stuff. I don't know what like the situation is with Hernandez, but I'm sure he'd just want to use a pay per view payday to do one of his mad dives or border toss, like Daniel Garcia into the fourth row, or one of two point with their oh, faces. Oh yes, Matt Menard going flying, yeah, yeah, in slow motion. Yeah, like you can have loads of fun with it. it. It does work in the context of the night, at least. There was a a thing I saw on Twitter, and I can't remember who mentioned this, but it, it, this might be like overcomplicating things a little bit. But Eddie Kingston's it was a detail I didn't pick up. Eddie Kingston's, uh, the the phone call about like how threatened Chris Jericho should feel was ostensibly set up so that Jericho could play facials. It was really fun to watch yeah. him go through the gears of like how terrified he was of Eddie Kingston returning. But was this in actuality, Kingston out sports entertaining, the sports entertainer, he talked about my wife for 20 years, where when he debuted in AW, he said, uh, I got to tell my mother why I never got married and I never had kids. He's not married. His buddy was laying that I don't on think thick, he wasn't is, he? yeah. And like, I'd, like, is it is the, are the burns? Have they been overstated? Has all of this been Eddie Kingston being like, right, I'll sports entertain you? Like, it's carny, it's carny bullshit, basically. And I've got five guys that are going to bat you. Yeah. And is that going to be what? Like, is that going to be the moment that undermines Jericho's victory celebration? He kind of thought he had all of this, and it's like, no, like I've I've beaten you at your own game, and now we're going to beat you half to death in a big five on five. The only thing I can't discern is if they want to do. Like, Blood and Guts feels like a television match more than a pay-per-view. So do they do, like, wacky, calm-the-crowd-down spot match on the pay-per-view to set up the far more serious? But it, it, it's still still not quite right, this feud, is it? No, there's something missing. Hopefully those literal missing pieces will um, solve the puzzle and solve the tedium of the redundant five-on-three stuff. I think they'll do a, another Kingston-Jericho, Jericho win, and that'll be 2-1 to Kingston et al. at Blood and Guts on telly in the summer. Mm. Um, the last thing on the docket for Dynamite is the MJF versus Wardlow contract signing. I'm fascinated about this. I hope they engineer a response that allows Wardlow to get over. Can you imagine how much of a cool booking flex it would be if in-house babyface prospect Wardlow, who was so inexperienced, body guy in AEW. Yeah. That's what it was in 2019. That mm -hmm. was the scene. And now it's so much different. If you think about all the incredible effort and detail and work and thought they've put into that push, if he can be the guy who makes MGF a hometown heel where CM Punk couldn't. Mm. It wouldn't be a disaster because obviously even CM Punk was um, a heel de facto in Long Island because MGF's the hometown boy. But if they can do everything possible, the babyface Wardlow in this context with the contrast to how CM Punk was received, it would just be, I think that would be a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think... Um, what's the steps and what's the conditions as well? I think people want to know about like, this. So the conditions is obviously Wardlow getting his freedom, isn't it? But there's got to be something far more leveraged in favour of Jeff for him to even offer that in the first place. He's not the heel that just gives away that. It's not that sort of old WWE thing where somebody talks himself into a title match by saying, I should just ask your wife. Right. Yeah, Triple H like being so angry. All right, I'll fight you, Randy Orton tonight. I've only got my T-shirt. Oh, I forgot my gear. <laughs> right, uh, uh, it, like that's not <laughs> what <are> the bloody chances. <laughs> I've set my sled. My sledgehammer's on fire. Uh, the 
MJF character is not one that just gets like he's the guy that does that. He almost, he kind of creates a scenario where somebody has gotten in too deep, and you know he can be he can be rattled and he can be riled, but he's thinking this through, and it's in Long Island. He's going to keep up the facade of how happy he is to be back, even though the whole deal with heels like that is that you're on the first jet out here. Yeah. You know, like the you know the, the his parents will be there in the crowd again with he's our son and we hate him and all that yeah. kind of thing. I think the trick to the Wardlow babyface problem was um I think I think AW showed you what that was on Rampage when they cut to Spears with that giant killer chair. Spears is the is the key to this. Um Wardlow, depending on what they do with MJF, Wardlow potentially getting his hands on him here might risk the booze. Sean Spears can be so yes. irritating. He can be particularly like cruel about Long Island in a way that say MJF doesn't really defend them. Like he's like, well I go easy. But yeah. he's really not bothered. He's yeah. just like, oh, they're, they're listening. And then Sean Spears is like, come on, let's get out of this shit oh, or something like that. And then that's all it takes. Spears can be the guy. Wardlow absolutely destroys him, puts him through the contract signing table, whatever. You know, the big the big moment that gives Wardlow the pop as well as giving MJF the out for not being like a... What did they do with it last time? He was the babyface right up until he kind of joined the villains, wasn't he? Like, how did they... They played it perfectly last time. What was the like the payoff to the Long Island babyface bit? Because he came out all, ah, so glad to be back. And then... Did he jump punk and run or something? He was going to, because it was in the Dynamite Battle Royale, the, the finish Royale. of that, where he he motioned to not be a... Was it to Dante Martin? Dante Martin, then, yeah. Like, cuffed him and ran. He still like got, that. yeah, because yeah. he was going to, like, make the heroic save. Yeah. They just like, beat him up and then they're pissed <laughs> off. That was great. Tremendous. He still got cheered for it, like. Yeah. So, yeah, at the stipulation, it's how, what does MJF have for Wardlow to make it, to be logical, I suppose. Like, if, he, if he's going to give Wardlow his freedom, it's got to come at an enormous cost in response. That's the thing. I don't know what it's going to be. It can't feel fake. It can't either. feel fake. I don't know what it's going to be. All I know is that it's going to be one of those, I've missed this about AEW because I'm getting a little bit more rematch happy. And um, a little bit more like distraction, schmozzy happy. Mm. Um, I miss the gravity of Jesus Christ, I've just lost. I've yeah. just lost. That's the end of my world. We're sort of hanging on page, we're sort of with Cody. Um, I'm hoping that that threat of such a loss will have the gravity to really get this over into like just seminal territory because this Wardlow stuff's been so amazing. I don't know what it's going to be, but I do know it's going to feel like all or nothing drama. Like yeah. absolutely all or nothing. And it's, you know what, it's for the bookers to do this, not for the nerds. We'll analyze how all or nothing it is tomorrow <laughs> um, when we do our Dynamite review. Um, on the feed earlier today, they did the NXT 2.0 review. That is um, Wilborn and Murray. Um, I didn't actually watch that show, thank God. <laughs> if you didn't either, but you still wanted to know what happened, you can check that out on the feed. Back tomorrow, of course, with the Dynamite review and possibly something else. We're not entirely sure just yet. But um, in the meantime, thank you very much for your listen. And uh, let us know what you think, sorry, of what's going to happen on Dynamite tonight underneath the Twitter link at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet, who did watch 2.0 because I forgot we weren't reviewing it. What a waste uh, of time. Why did, you, why did you do that? I st- Wait, I think I struggled over Wordle for half an hour. Just, oh. I really let myself get into it and I overthought it. But anyway, you can follow me at M. Sidrick. Wordle's dead now, I think. But anyway. Bit of a Wordle guy still. What's that? It was four grids. Oh, I got confused by that. <laughs> I got monumentally confused. I was like, I'm just going to pretend I don't want to do it. My wife does the eight and like, I sit there and resent her a bit. I can't do it. She's really good at them. Eight grids. And I just like, just... I mean, if you know, if I'm looking at her doing eight grids, I'm thinking, man, you've got a husband that you're not interested in anymore, and I'd be right. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Is there a 16 grid one of these? Because uh, <laughs> give me even less time to talk to Have we completed Netflix? <laughs> I think everyone has come for it. It's getting nervy, isn't it? That's a lot of married be... couples thinking, like, can you put something else on, please? Like, there hasn't been a Tiger King or a, or a Last Dance in a quite some time, yeah. uh, so step up your game at Netflix. <laughs> and anyway, have you got any Netflix recommendations? Uh, tweet us them at the, uh, the ads we've just gave you. Give and me it... a call, please. <laughs> Until then, we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.